So I'm speaking with composer Daniel Licht, who has been providing the excellent score for Dexter across its eight-season run beyond Dexter. Uh, Daniel has dabbled with video games, taking over the hit series Silent Hill uh, with games uh, like Downpour and Shattered Memories. Uh, Daniel also just finished up a new Sundance series titled The Red Road, which stars Jason Momoa. Uh, Daniel, thanks so much for uh, for chatting again. Oh, my pleasure. So, Dex <laughs> so Dexter is all wrapped up. It's finished after eight years. I remember being at the final recording session a while ago and watching you work. Uh, what was going through your head during those last few hours with the orchestra and then, you know, finally when it was all wrapped up? Uh, mostly, uh, am I going to make my deadline? But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it was, um, you know, the schedule was a little, I can't remember what, why they were, it was pushed ahead or something. So there was not a lot of time for the final episode and there was a lot of music, so. It got a little hectic, um, but, you know, at the same time, it was kind of, uh, you know, sad, but you know how it is when you're in the middle of delivering, you're not really, like, analyzing how you're feeling too much. Right. And and, but, over, um, and over the course of uh, of these eight years, you know, did, did your music, uh, do you feel it evolved stylistically at all? Did you ever change the approach as the show went on? Um, oh, absolutely. I mean... Uh, you know, per uh, per per season, even you know, per episode, sometimes uh, you want you know you want your music to adapt. Obviously, I kept some of the same, you know, used a lot of the same themes, and mm -hmm. brought it, but I also brought in new themes for the new characters. So I mean, it was sort of an evolving uh, entity, but it it never changed into a different animal. You know, let's, right. let's say that way. <laughs> it just got older and more, maybe hopefully wiser. Um, did the did the show ever stump you? I mean, creatively, like you had no idea how to approach a certain episode or a character or a scene, anything that was like particularly challenging that you remember? Hmm. That's a good question. Um hmm. you know, the around the uh the, the fifth season was a bit of a stumper at first, just because it was sort of Dexter going into a romantic mode, mm -hmm. which is which is sort of new. And um, it was um, so that was a bit a bit of a different language for Dexter, you know. Right, right. So um, musically, how did you approach that? Um, well. I started. I introduced introduced some softer textures, some woodwinds, and a little, a few more strings. Although the showrunner wasn't crazy about strings, so I kind of backed off from the strings when I realized that. Um, but um, but yeah, mostly I introduced some more melodic and plaintive kind of mm -hmm. textures that hadn't <laughs> been used. Everything in Dexter had always been sort of plucky. Mm -hmm. and, and strings were used as sort of mystery elements. And the strings strings and winds, you know, I added a little bit of more of an emotional tone to the whole thing. 
And uh, so now the season eight soundtrack, which just got released, uh, you have some pieces that were performed live at, at you know towards the end of the of the album. Where where were those uh, recorded? I performed at uh, at uh, Largo, at the Coronet, which is a club in Hollywood. Oh right, I think I, yeah, right, right, right. Um, so, what was it like performing those pieces like in full live? You know, that was a lot of fun. I had a great time. Um, a lot of work, but a lot of fun. Because you have to, you have to completely kind of rearrange them for a live performance, right? Yeah, although I did, um, I did not rearrange them that much, to tell you the truth. I had uh, for the first concert, I had like eighteen musicians on stage. Wow. Um, which uh, the owner of Largo wasn't too happy about. <laughs> so for the second one, I pared it down a bit. But yeah, I had I had like singers and string quartet and an acoustic bass player, and then I played vibes and guitars and toy pianos and bazookies. So I really tried to pull out all the key instruments that I use. And I had somebody on keyboards who had some of the actual sounds from that um, I use. So. It was it was a pretty good representation of the music. I mean, I, I I was pretty happy, and I wanted it to sound the way it should. And people can pick up the CD and they can hear that it really, even though it's a live concert, it really has the feel of, of the Dexter music. Oh no, I love and I, I, I like that it's that's kind of picking up recently. A lot of uh, TV scores are getting kind of performed live mm-hmm. in venues. I know they just had the score concert at the at UCLA, and you know, Jay Kino's Lost back in the day was. I mean, I love. See, that coming together, TV music kind of, you know, getting the spotlight that it deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so now your most recent work, kind of moving past Dexter, you, you're working on The Red Road. And yeah. I was listening to the tracks that you have on your site, and I, you know, really love it. You know, the score has your voice, but the show's setting and characters really influence the musical sty- style here. What was your approach for this uh, for this story? Well, um you know, originally, uh, my approach ended up being quite different than I thought when I first got approached to do the show. Someone someone said, oh, you know, this is a, kind of a thriller that takes place in a town that's next to a, a Native American, not actual reservation, but a community and about the relationship between the two communities. And I thought, oh, wow, cool. There's going to be lots of like Native American sounds and instruments and whatever, and chanting or whatever. But um, it's in, it turns out the reservation, well, it's not a reservation, it's just a community, mm-hmm. um, is, is in New Jersey, like 25 miles from New York City. <laughs> wow. So, so I use, there's nothing really at all Native American, barely. Uh, it's more really noir and done kind of in an ambient style a little bit. Um, really, really transparent textures of just whispering but tense tense and whispering and suspenseful you know at the same time and it's a um, it's a mini series right it's only six episodes yeah well it's it's kind of done in the in the british style right you know they're doing uh this is the second season so they're doing seasons so it's not i guess it's you know, the first one you could call a miniseries, but now I think you need to call it an actual series because they're doing six more. Okay. Um, so, I don't know. It's kind of it's a British British style in that they do, in, in you know, in England they do six episode series. So. And do uh, you, you can f- call it whatever you want. <laughs> do you find the the kind of sh- I mean I mean I I think it's kind of getting moving towards that. You know these. 
I mean, even though Dexter on Showtime, they have more confined seasons on Showtime and HBO and series like that, but um, they're kind of getting shorter to the point, you know, 10-episode seasons and stuff like that. Do you find that it's more confined and more um, precise for you, at least as a composer, that you can create arcs that kind of are self-sustained within six episodes instead of, you know, across many, many, many episodes where it kind of loses focus? Um, yeah, I think I think you could have, I think you can make it feel more cinematic because it does have direction. Mm-hmm. When you when you're doing 24 or 22 episode series, it's just it's more cyclical. So, right. Right. Uh, and then it's only it, you can't really approach it like a movie because it's only if it's on network, it's only actually 42 minutes long. So it's really more like half a movie. Uh, you know, sometimes in network they'll do two-parters, which you can which you can be very cinematic because it's the exact length of a movie. So it has to do with the you know with the the angle uh, the uh, kind of the, the 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 path the orbit I don't know what you call it um, of the of the drama. You know, as you if you spread a story out over 22 episodes, it's less. You can't get as much of an overall path into it unless mm-hmm. you have numerous dramatic paths inside of it. Most of those are more episodic. Right, right. And, uh, and when you're working on Dexter, that was uh, on Showtime, so there's no commercial breaks. But now you Sundance Channel does have commercials. Is it? I mean, does it does have commercial breaks, right? Or do you do you have to factor that into your composing acts? I guess the musical acts of the score. Well, you have to watch out for them. Sure, absolutely. I mean, you can't go over them. You know, with, with this particular show, we don't we don't really build up to the act breaks. Mm-hmm. So it's not like there's any big stings. It's just not that kind of show. Not big cliffhanger type endings. So you know, there might be one or two, but um, but uh, but yeah, it does it does interrupt the flow a little bit sometimes. Uh, you know, sometimes you'll be you know someone will be in the middle of an of an action scene or driving somewhere and then it'll cut and then it'll cut back to them driving again and it sort of makes it kind of well how do you deal with that you might have had music in the driving scene as they were going to right. an act break but then it doesn't make always make sense coming in again and then when you put it all together and look at it without the commercials it's like okay well, why isn't there it does create problems <laughs> you know you're like why was there music before and now there's it went black and now there's no music so you do have to factor into that in your your thinking about how it's going to be presented with commercials, how it's going to be presented without commercials. It's just another added complication that when with Showtime you don't have to deal with it all. Right, right. And the other thing about Showtime is that because there's no commercial break, it's a full 52-minute show. And my guess is that um, all television writers tend to think in 42 page forms mm-hmm. you know 45 right and i think when they do a 52 minute show there's lots of space in there which gives the music a chance you know absolutely the, yeah the best thing for a composer for television is if you get a writer who's not too verbose because <laughs> writers will cram every word they can from the beginning of a show to the end i mean that's what was was really um you know, nice about Breaking Bad that everybody liked about it. There was lots of space in there for ambience and music and mood. Absolutely, yeah. And David David did a great job with that score. It was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. 
But he wouldn't. It wouldn't. He, I mean, for the you know, and the same thing is true with Dexter. People wouldn't have noticed it if it, if there wasn't room for it. If that makes any sense. No, I mean, it, it, because it's true. TV shows, most TV shows, I think recently, I guess within the past maybe 10, 15 years, you know, when dramas have really built up to these long season arcs, not just, you know, CSI episode of the week type stuff, but, you know, you, the music does have more chance to stand out and become be part of the show beyond the theme. And I think before, a lot of people just associated TV shows with the main theme, the main opening theme, but now the score has become kind of this big playing, you know, character in a lot of these shows, including Dexter, with which what you did with it. Well, and the other reason is that there aren't there are not a lot of main themes anymore. That too, they all yeah. really got shortened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the networks decided, oh boy, we're you know we're we could put advertisements or story in. Once again, it, it's you know, I don't know if it was the advertisers or the the, net, the writers who realize, oh, we could be telling some more story here. And I think part of it is they don't want anyone tuning out. There's a big panic about people tuning out. You know? Right. So it's like we want to have short main title, boom, right into action, right into a teaser. You know, a lot of them start with teasers because they want, they want people to go, oh, wow, what's that? Right. But also I think, I don't know, I, 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 I wish they kind of stuck. I mean, there's some good themes still out there. I mean, the... You know, Game of Thrones. When that thing comes on, you—it's a, a minute and a half sequence, but you, you know, reminds me of the longer openings. You know, like James Newton Howard's ER opening. You know, where it's just really—it's like kind of a siren call to pull you to the couch, which I think works better than just uh, jumping right into it. At least for me. But <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm. Hey, I'm. I'm certainly not arguing against a good theme. <laughs> I'm all for a good long main title sequence. I think people like it. I do uh, think yeah. it gives people to settle down, get in the mood, get their drink, whatever they're going to do. You exactly. Know? Right. And so beyond TV, you've recently been also doing, you've been dabbling in video games a bit now. You have two Silent Hill games under your belt, and you did Dishonored. Um, do you think, as a composer, do you feel that games allow you to do things creatively uh, that you wouldn't be able to do on a TV series or a film? Have you found more kind of opportunities in a video game score? Um, you, you know, it really just depends on the person. It's hard to say the person that you're working with, how creative you can be. I mean, on Silent Hill, certainly there was a lot of room for me to, uh, you know, I, you know, I was given pretty free reign and I would, you know, play them what I, I did and, you know, Generally, I mean, they would like it, and they would give me feedback, but they weren't, they didn't, like, send me a temp score and say, I want something like this, you know, which you get a lot of in, in film and television. Right. So video games have less temp love, so I think that in certain sense it's more like, uh, I think, feel like there's a lot of creativity there because they're they're busy creating a whole world. And so while they're creating all this, texture and, and story and feel they're not going to want to pull music from another game that's you know that would be completely opposite of what they're trying to do in the same sense that film in the 70s everyone wanted to have a super original sound and feel mm -hmm. to the film so that's when you had the most unique scores you know because everyone was it was the score was part of the statement of the style of the film Absolutely. that's less less so i mean although it is you know it is somewhat 
so these days, but it's less so. <laughs> you know, if you know what I mean. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, the big films tend to be more more brand name sounding and more uh, more. You know, it's almost like a, you know, like I don't know. You've got your Rite Aid sound, and then you've got your um, GNC sound. You know. Oh yeah. CBS sound. I mean. Uh, although the smaller, you know, there's some the the Oscar t- contending films now have try to have unique sound, but I also think that in television that um, there's so many shows out that that there's a lot of creativity as well, and people trying to have a, a unique feel. Like Breaking Bad's a perfect example of it had a unique sound to it that caught people's attention. And I think TV shows they do because it's hard to. I mean, you can tempt maybe a pilot, but Beyond that, you're you're kind of left to create the sonic, I guess, world of a show, and it's not as easy to. I mean, I guess a showrunner could be like, I want it to sound, you know, like Hans Zimmer or whatever. But um, I think you probably have more freedom with television than you do with a film if you're kind of working close to a temp track or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, before we wrap up, I would uh, I'd love to know. Um, beyond the film music of you know your career, what are your favorite things to do when you're not doing anything music related that kind of creatively recharge you? I know I love I love to talk about wine with Trevor Morris or something like that. Any hobbies, places, or things that kind of that you love to do beyond the music world? Well, I like I like being out in nature. Um, I've, I've moved to Topanga Canyon, so I've got plenty of that. You know, I like I like to take I like to go for hikes in the woods and whatever. And uh, um, you know, I just I most of, and I like uh, I do some screenplay writing. Oh <laughs> really? From, yeah, I like to I like to get into writing. Um, for me, it's fun. I've I've never actually even really I barely tried to sell any of my scripts, but I like writing them. You know, someday I'll try and get them out there but, but i really no that's really because i always think that's uh composers I, I i should start asking every composer this like well you know what other role would you like to be you know in a film or you know and i think screenwriters and composers you're both writing just using different i guess you know languages musical language versus you know a written language but you know nick cave is a great example of a composer who writes screenplays and composes you know his own his own uh movies i think it's a very great transition point right there uh-huh yeah no i mean the uh the composer and and the screen screenwriter are the two people two uh people in the movie who have blank sheets of paper to right. work from yeah um you know everyone else has got you know the actors the director the dp all have the script. Um, the composer really, you can't, the script's not really going to help you <laughs> write any music, you know. So we we have to come up with the orig- totally original content, the writers and the composers. It's very true, and you're working at the, bo- at the writers at the very beginning and the composer, in most cases, the very end. That's uh, sandwiching the whole and project. The other difference is they have a lot more time than we do. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, um, they, they'll have years. They'll work on a script for years, and we'll have like a month. That is the truth. Um, Not that I'm complaining. No. I, do you do you actually find, have, 
Go ahead. No, so I, I was, I was going to say, do you find yourself more creatively pushed in, when you're working on a deadline? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, as much as I've complained about deadlines after working on video, a few video games, uh-huh. anyone who works in video games will tell you they wish they had tighter deadlines. Because <laughs> video games will just go on and on, and you 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 forget what you even did, you know, a couple of months ago. When when you come back to do the next section, you have to go, um, <laughs> what key was that in? Um, so, uh, yeah. I'd like a nice meeting, in a, something in between, you know. Give me a, a couple months to work on a project. That's a good length of time. <laughs> Compromise, a good balance, of course. Yeah. Um, but, Daniel, thank you so much for your time today, and, and you know, congrats on the incredible run Dexter had and, and uh, with all the great work you're continuing doing. It's always a, a blast chatting with you. Well, thank you so much. I had a good time.